audiophiles. Uh, welcome to Tales from Beyond the Pale, the podcast. Uh, we thought we'd do something a little different today. Um, Glenn McQuaid and myself, Larry Fesnin, are here to uh, wish you a happy summer and announce that we're going to take a little break. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast. Um, we're going to take a couple months off and come roaring back in the fall with some new and some old tales. So uh, don't forget us. But we thought we'd talk about tales from beyond the pale here, just as a little going away treat. Hello, Glenn. Hi, Larry. Where are you, Glenn? I am in Dublin, in Ireland. And uh, yeah, we've been isolating ourselves out here for a couple of months now. And I have to say, I'm, I'm so proud that throughout all of this shitstorm that Tales from Beyond the Pale has kept up a weekly episodic adventure without missing a beat. Yeah, uh, it's been a real comfort to be able to present these and to sort of think about uh, the relevance of the tales in whatever way. You know, uh, we did a vampire party on Pride Month. Uh, we put out conviction when it felt that uh, the world was going to shit, although every week we could do that. <laughs> we may have put it out any given week. Yeah, it's all very discouraging. But, uh, but you know, all the more reason to enjoy escapist horror and uh, occasionally relevant horror. Uh, it's just been nice, I think, to reminisce about all the different um, ways that we've done tales. You know, we did a lot in the studio. Um, especially the first season and then we got into the live tales and when presenting the podcast we've been mixing it up which has also been fun it's like a mixtape you know when you put songs together that maybe didn't live together before and that sort yeah. of is a fun thing I think for us yeah it's been interesting to plan the collection uh, I think initially we we're going to roll things out quite differently. And then just, it's been nice with a, like a week only in advance to change things up when, like, as we, when we decided to put out Conviction. I forget, um, I mean, maybe we had already always planned um, the Vampire Party to be out on Gay Pride. I probably don't think so, but it was just, it was Absolutely nice. Nice that it landed. <laughs> I think really the only one that I really remember is that we were going to put out Caper on Halloween. That's exactly right, which was, uh, which was fun because that really does uh, recall the day. And, you know, it starts with the Halloween trick-or-treaters. Um, but it's also been fun every now and again to surprise our loyal fans with a couple of new ones. We certainly started with two new ones from ourselves that had been recorded live, you know, at film festivals, which is what we've done. Uh, and then finally we had them presentable. And I, did we do any other new ones, Glenn? <laughs> the, the Lincoln Center shows. Oh, right, um, the one and, yeah, okay, good. The Die Sleeping My Sweet, My Gay, Steamy, Ridiculous Soap Opera. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and, and my lament to my dead friend, uh, Johnny Bernard. Right, uh, who killed Johnny Bernard. Uh, it's been, Really nice. It's interesting rolling them out because I've been listening to quite a few of them. Not every one, but I've been listening to them. Personally, um, the memories are, are so much more vivid when they're the live pieces. Looking back on um, the, the studio pieces, it, it seems more of a kind of a nine to five kind of scenario where we go in and we just roll up our sleeves and, and maybe get it done in a day. Whereas there's something uh, much more kind of punk rock about all of our live shows uh, yeah. with 
just bananas to me that we are able to walk away with anything, let alone have it be any good. So it's been, I'm really proud of our, our live work. And, and, you know, obviously we clean things up a little bit, but um, it's, it's amazing um, that the memories that come flooding back when, when, when I'm hearing them. Well, it's funny you mention it because the other thing is that because the way we did the live shows, we'd often do more than one at night. And because we're mixing it up, we'll just put on a, a live show. Uh, and, uh, and suddenly Vincent D'Onofrio will be uh, in the cast, you know, playing like a, a nurse. For one minute. <laughs> yeah, and so that was particularly in the current episode, uh, uh, like father, like son, he just shows up like conducting <laughs> <laughs> a self-help group and it was just fantastic and made me laugh about our process and uh like you say there seem to be lots of surprises in, in the live ones because we basically meet our cast the day of yeah. and we get a run through out of it and then uh, go up that night and i'll never forget vince d'onofrio was there that night really for the ram king that was the same night as like father yeah. like and as we were rehearsing the Ram King, I was like, hey, Vincent, do you know that you, we have this very small role for you in like father, like son? He had no idea. He was just like, what? Oh, okay, fine. You know? uh, so fun. He was really very uh, supportive and just got such a kick out of it. I yeah, he was. Saying, uh, I was kind of mousy with him during that moment. It's just like, yeah, here you go. Here's the script. Well, you never know what way it'll go. With yeah with Vince or any, any of the, uh, our celebrity pals. But uh, I remember him saying, oh, we got to get my friend Ethan to come and, and do one of these, which we later- That would be fantastic, him. yeah. Yeah, I think Ethan would be game. He's, uh, he's a journeyman. Um, we, yeah, should get his, we should get his old pal, Ty West, to come in and do one. Oh, Ethan and Ty. Ty has a tail, but it's, uh, well, we, we have actually a whole crop of, uh, of new collaborators standing yeah. by for our word. Well, that's what we've got to get to and get uh, get some scripts submitted um, by some folks who've already submitted their uh, their synopses. So Glenn, lots to do. Yes, and Ty has actually a very good idea. And when you think of the, the, the sound design in his movies and what they bring to his movies, no, no better man to really kind of sink his teeth into an audio drama. Well, true that, and of course the real uh, fact is is that it's Graham Resnick who does the sound design on Ty's movies so there you go it's certainly the way Ty thinks about cinema but uh, Graham is his secret weapon and Graham has made some of our best uh, and most celebrated tales yeah particularly the Chambers tape yeah it's fantastic and the grandfather I'm excited to get a third one in from him yep he's got a synopsis submitted the grandfather yeah. hasn't played on um, on the podcast actually so all you folks listening, remember to come back in the fall and you can hear Graham Resnick's The Grandfather, starring, starring Angus Grimm, our beloved pal, Angus. Of the people we've reached out to, I don't know if I should be even mentioning them, but April Snelling's had a rather lively bunch of uh, submissions, uh, Jeff Bueller too. We should have taken advantage of all this downtime and gotten everybody writing, but uh, we'll use this as our motivating occasion to uh, to request their scripts, um, it is fun to recall that that Toronto night, or was it Montreal? Sorry, um, Montreal. Yeah, 
Yeah, we did three tales in a row. For some reason, well, it was epic because even the weather was against us. It was raging uh, rainstorm outside. We were in a, a, a crowded bar, which now has so many strange connotations in COVID time. Um, yeah. We were all packed in, all dripping with the, and then we did three tales and Doug's was so ambitious because he had musicians, live musicians, not just playing background music, but integrated into the story. And Tony Todd, it's really my favorite when you listen to it. It's called Hidden Records. It's on Tales from Beyond the Pale, the podcast. When you listen, you know, Tony's like at the piano and he's talking. And then he sort of goes into this fantastic piano piece. And it, it really, it is the magic of audio because he's not playing, but you just feel it. You, you fill it all in. Yeah, it's lovely. It was it was so cool watching it. I mean, being part of it up on stage, but I took a moment to enjoy um, just the the footing that Tony gave it all. Like you really and truly believed he was playing that piano up there, and he was getting into what the pianist was was doing, and and incorporating that rhythm into his performance it was really really nice really that's a, that was a crazy show in a way i was like that i'm so surprised that um that just didn't get cancelled <laughs> because even before we got to montreal there was trouble with your passport right your passport <laughs> i had to get a uh uh expedited passport in in like 36 hours i was impressed with the i was super impressed I really thought uh, I was going up there without you. <laughs> it's just an insane endeavor. Three live shows in a different country on a one-off event, you know? It's not like, you know, it was a week's run of trying to, you know, really leaning into these pieces and getting them just so, you know? It was just like, all right, let's go for it. And I think probably this is about, I mean, there was at least 12 of us on stage the other thing, when we go up there, we often don't even know what the venue is going to be. And in this case, it was, was it a comedy club? The Yuck Yuck Club? Um, yes, yeah. But it wasn't exactly designed for radio play presentation. We were on the same level as the audience. And, and in this case, it was, was it a comedy club? The Yuck Yuck Club? Um, yes, yeah. But it wasn't exactly designed for radio play presentation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we were on the same level as the audience and their chairs were butted up against our microphones. And there's always the feedback problem. There's just endless um, technical stuff that we have to deal with in a limited amount of time. And then you're very often still trying to figure out if the cues will fire from your Ableton. We did have Graham there, which was lovely. There's a funny picture mm -hmm. where he says, do not touch this keyboard. Um, yeah, no, I, I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> that that um, just was all, I'm always tempted to, um, just press something stupid and who knows what's going to happen. But the keyboard uh, had a little sticker on it saying, don't push me. Why are you pushing me? Which is a quote from First Blood. I showed Graham Resnick First Blood. It was his first viewing of First Blood. And, and uh, uh, this is years ago. And it's just a really dry Sylvester Stallone moment where he's telling um, the, the sheriff not to push him. He's like, don't push me. Why are you pushing me? An incredible choice. <laughs> so, so that was a little in joke. I recall that uh, our, yeah, it seemed to me that because of the hoopla over 
uh, Doug's piece and then, you know, your own concerns for your piece, which was somewhat more subtle. It had time travel and it was bilingual and uh, um, uh, that mine was sort of, I just figured what I would do is have one that was very punk rock and that was kind of a, a lot of Foley and doors being smashed and just a lot of sound to kind of let the energy out of the room at the end of this long night. And uh, I think we had 20 minutes to prepare all my sound effects. And uh, I think there was a little tension between you and I, Glenn. I felt you were paying too much attention to Douglas Buck, if I recall. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember at one stage you were chuckling away uh, with Jan about something. And, and I was just like, Larry, come on. <laughs> we're on, a, we're on in an hour. <laughs> Finish writing your script. <laughs> uh, no, I really, I really appreciated that uh, Barricade was uh, such a raucous event because it being the last show of the night, it was, it was uh, sort of liberating to just be able to bang out some noises. And truthfully, the, the nights that we've done three shows, the third show. Um, you're also the third for in LA. We did uh, the, the Vampire Party was the last piece, which does also get a little raucous, but you know it's 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 it's, it's a lot more structured. And I remember at one stage in the Vampire Party, I just got confused because it's like it's a lot the whole day and the whole night, and it being the last one, I got confused at one stage, and I'm wa I was doing the foley on stage, and I don't know if you remember, I'm walking, making creaking noise like. There's no walking. <laughs> okay. I think I'd skipped ahead a page or something, you know. So to not have to worry about uh, like uh, what exactly is going on because it's just bedlam was a lot of fun, you know. It's so true. And uh, one thing you and I have always reminisced about is how funny Joshua Leonard was in that. He just showed up oh, as yeah. one character. It was very odd. I don't quite know how that worked, but. He was, he was adorable up there. I was so taken by him because my own piece, I suppose, was definitely a little drier. Um, and so when it came to the vampire party, it was great fun to see uh, Lance Reddick, who was in my piece, just become a little fair, uh, a lot fair as, as a, a gay man in years. Uh, I was so impressed with Lance. Uh, he, he really changed characters on a dime and um, they couldn't have been more different. And he, it was, it was really fun to see that turn in him. Uh, but also I, I was doing the Foley right next to Josh and uh, I just got a really good vibe from him. You know, it was like, we're all up there on stage having fun, um, making art and which isn't always, I mean, I think with Tales it's usually the case, but you just, you never know how it's going to go down. I hadn't worked with him before, so it was nice to get those, get get such a nice vibe from him. Well, it's fun to touch down in these cities and to sort of make new friends. Of course, this was LA, so some of these new friends were in fact, uh, you know, uh, people from the industry. But when we've mm -hmm. done uh, smaller towns, like when we followed the Overlook uh, Film Festival around, formerly the Stanley Film Festival, we'd show up in a, a little town in, Colorado and get a wonderful local actor to be involved mm -hmm. and and get them alongside you know Barbara Crampton and we had that great uh, uh, the the two seance uh, stories which 
also oh, cold cold reading and uh, no signal cold yeah. reading and no signal uh and that was fun another sort of uh little thing you and i got into is you you wrote cold reading and you were very excited about it and i remember we disagreed about the puppet and then that came to be the signature element you know mm -hmm. um uh stanley but uh well, I, the the thing is, I was like, I want to I want to do a seance piece, but I also want to do a ventriloquist dummy thing, and and it seemed kind of incongruous. And then April Snellings, who I co-wrote Cold Reading with, had a, had done all of this research for um, an issue of Rue Morgue um, on seances, and there's this incredible history of uh, mediums and clairvoyants using ventriloquist dummies um to contact the dead so i got back to you and said ha, look proof we're amazing. doing it <laughs> it was amazing and so so delicious <laughs> so that had this amazing cast including leon vitale who was yeah. at the stanley festival in order to celebrate stanley kubrick and the nicest guy, nicest guy in the world you know i was really taken by him as well i think it's interesting with tales Actors tend to really enjoy it because it's a real pure form of acting. I feel like voice work is, is really honing in on, on something very, very specific and definitely more theater. Um, so I feel like we've had a lot of fun um, and, and, and just meeting new people, making new friends. And they've been really into what we do, what we bring to the, their art form. And I know that for me, it's exciting because you don't have the distraction and the homework of learning all those lines. So in a way you're freer, mm -hmm. in my own approach, my own anxieties about acting. So it's just really fun. And I've been able to play so many characters just because I'm always available. <laughs> so uh, it's a great pleasure for me. But the thing that was fun about uh, uh, cold reading and no signal is that once you established that you were going to have this ventriloquist character, and I think you got your script out before I did, as usual, I'm always just cramming at the last minute, but I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to do a sequel? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, I came up with the idea that a hundred years later, cause you set yours as a period piece a hundred years later. Uh, what if, um, you know, some seance guys go back to the same house and have a, a bad experience. So it was fun to, uh, you know, to use the format of tales to explore things like sequels and uh, and prequels and, and parts one and two. We did that also some other year at uh, at the Overlook Film Festival where we yeah. did part one and part two. Yeah, and just, just to go back on uh, No Signal, I thought it was fun for you to turn the trope of there being no signal in a horror movie on its head a little bit. I mean, the, the comfort initially at the start of No Signal is that, hey, you know, there are, there's no signals here. There's going to be no distraction, no dis disturbances. And then for the fact that you get a signal and there's a phone call for that to be sort of the, the creepier element was fun. Yeah, well, anyone who writes horror now knows they have to deal with like, well, there'll be no cell phones because we're at the lake and all this, you know, just to get it out of the way. And people complain and they set their movies in the 90s just so they can avoid that that scene. I so appreciate that. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. But now, Glenn, we've talked a lot, not maybe enough for our own affections towards the live ones. But it's fun to, I think, think about um, season three, mm -hmm. which uh, at least... I remember feeling it was a gold standard for us. You know, there was a refinement level and we'd hit a stride and they're not quite as uneven as maybe season one, which were um, 
Well, I can't quite remember. I guess, did we have more control over season three in terms of? Uh, well, I think we, we've, it's interesting, you know, season one was studio, season two was live, season three, back to the studio. I think we've found a lot of confidence yeah. having done the live shows um, and sort of uh, testing our metal in that sense, you know. Um, and there and, was some relief to be back in the studio and actually yeah. get take. I mean, yeah. Like, oh my God. I mean, I think in a way that's why I wrote the ripple at Cedar Lake because I knew it would be in the studio and it wasn't something I could have pulled off live because there's just multiple versions of the same character and all of that. So I think season two being live definitely informed a lot of the sort of choices and decision-making and confidence in season three. I think they're def it's definitely our most sort of cinematic uh, collection. I, although that probably uh, dribbled into four as well. But uh, I mean, when you look at something like um, Ripple, it just couldn't have been done live. Um, but also um, the thing you <laughs> directed for April, uh, Food Chain. Um, that's, that's so lush, you know, and, 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 uh, and cinematic. And um, so it, it was really nice and such a huge comfort and luxury to take more time with it and to, as you say, have takes. That's wild, it's, uh, you know, something like to have an option in the edit is wonderful. Um, and I think it did a lot for me as a director as well to um, avail of choices and, and how to work with actors and getting interesting choices um, uh, was something I definitely honed in on during season three. And then also we had the conceit of trying to do a little wraparound tale with the host sort of. Oh, that was fun. Some kind of lip service towards the idea. You know, what you're told is that if you're going to do um, a podcast, you should have um, a cliffhanger and then a reason to come back the next week. Well, we've completely defied that notion uh, with tales because they're all standalone. You could just listen to uh, three and never come back. Uh, but we had this notion of a, a little mini story uh, accompanying the, uh, the real pieces. And since we'd already established the host as a character, we, we placed him in a new environment, the, uh, the lighthouse, which was fun. And then told this uh, funny little story about him encountering a, a, a shape uh, that he's dealing with. And actually on the podcast, we, we did present those in order just so you could, if you found it at all amusing, you could trace that, that uh, wraparound story. So that was fun. Um, you know, the host has been this uh, ever shape-shifting kind of character, and we're always talking about how to refine him or to get rid of him or to, uh, and you know, he kind of has his own life because in the live shows, I get more flamboyant in spite of myself. There's the adrenaline rush, there's the crowd, and he gets a little sing-songy, doesn't he? And then, you know, in the studio, we can at least shape him a little more. It's, it's he's, all... definitely, he's definitely a bit more intimate in the studio, certainly in season three. In a way, it's the same character, you know, but it's like the host on our live shows is performing to a live audience, you know? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, season three has definitely got a, a, a lot more going on there, you know, because there's, there's a little sadness there, a little or, or loneliness as well, and the idea of this character that's coming and bringing intrigue and then eventually flies the coop and stuff is is fun there was a talk that the host's office would be a lighthouse and for some reason we drifted off from that and 
went back oh, to yeah. Well, also when we've uh, when we've obviously where our affection for tales goes beyond audio dramas, though that's really its its home base. But you know, we've talked about um, putting it to film or something, and then you know, I feel somehow we were going to have a miniature of a lighthouse to be the opener. I mean, maybe we're giving too much away, Glenn. But if anyone's interested, you can send your financing to this address to the Tales HQ. Um, but lots of fun ideas, and there's something about that. It brings to mind, um, oh, see, there's the money coming in now. <laughs> the executives are calling. Uh, it brings to mind uh, Trawler, one of your classics from, uh, from season one. Uh, that's such a great ocean adventure. For me, with Tales, one of the kind of the driving forces for my own creative process is, is really location. An environment you know yeah. so it's just like uh with trawler it's like such a an amazing environment to set something in and and to place characters in there and and see how those characters are shaped by their environment that's an awful lot of fun similarly with the ripple or no with uh, the crush um a vineyard a haunted vineyard that's fantastic <laughs> Uh, what an amazing evening that was. So that was great. And, and I love that the crush was inspired by my favorite trip really ever was myself and my husband. Um, we just drove to, Port we flew to Portland, Oregon and then drove down the West Coast Highway. And we stopped off in Napa Valley for a couple of nights and sitting out in a veranda of a small little vineyard, sun setting. And I came up with the idea for, for the crush. The uh, vintner uh, was, was, was telling us all about how, you know, if there's a eucalyptus tree a mile up the hill, it will flavor the grapes in said vineyard. So, of course, my mind went to, well, what would a dead body do to the flavor? <laughs> or a, a vengeful spirit? Uh, so I think the crush is one of my favorites just because it came out of me really, really swiftly and it was fun to tap into that sort of uh, femme fatale character with, with Sean Young and... Um, well, it's also, uh, well, I think it's the most pulpy, you know, the most truly uh, living up to the assignment of making, um, you know, uh, in the spirit of the old Tales from the Crypt or whatever these, you know, it's the pulpiest. But uh, it's also the only one where we have callback from the audience. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be, be a fun one to redo. Actually, we we often talk about like redoing some tales, but we alive, but we never seem to do it. I think we're well, just it's funny. yeah, it's almost it's too funny. attractive to use the opportunity to come up with new content. I suppose you know. Yeah, and I think we're masochists at heart because the idea that we only do them once is slightly preposterous. But uh, yeah, it's it's sort of in the DNA. There's a kind of a, a little bit of a punk aesthetic there, and. Uh, when we did the Lincoln Center show, um, which was Die Sleeping My Sweet and Blackout, your, oh. your workbook piece, and uh, some of my rugby team, yeah. like about eight or nine guys from the rugby team showed up. Um, one of them says to me afterwards, oh, how long is your run? <laughs> <laughs> the other one, uh, just speaking of locations, you know, the crush and your memory of your trip, uh, my tale, uh, Natural Selection, was 
yeah. recollection of my visit to the Galapagos Islands, which was one of my favorite experiences of life. And of course I had to darken the themes and, uh, and turn it into a, a horror piece, but uh, it was the same attention to detail. I made sure that the birds were the accurate, uh, you know, the uh, birds from the different islands and, and the whole, uh, all the, locations are, are real islands and their reputation. You know, the Galapagos is a series of islands and each one has a personality. And the one where my guy goes is actually unvisitable and all these fun things. And it's just, uh, it's fun to take the care um, and do a deep dive into these stories to give them some, some you know, verisimilitude. So I think that's been fun. And we, we've briefly talked about all our collaborators, but of course that's the other pleasure. I always like to say, if you don't like a tale, well, just listen to another one because there's all kinds of people rising to the challenge, uh, writers of film. Uh, some people aren't even horror writers. That's always interesting how they approach. Uh, and really the, the edict is to just do uh, something engaging, presumably, dealing with uh, macabre, but uh, we've also got comedies. We have uh, Sarah Minds the Dog. I mean, it's rather bleak at the end, but uh, it's, um, it's a light little piece um, by the, the author, uh, Kim Newman. So there's just a, a wonderful array of talent. Um. It's interesting where we'll go now, you know, uh, in terms of content and, and I haven't been pushing myself too much to write new content right now because I feel like I'm just soaking in what the hell is actually happening in the world right now. And I know what I want to do for my next tale, which is maybe it's, it's a reaction to feeling like this. Um, because as you know, there's actually going to be no dialogue in it. It's, 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 it's a totally action driven piece. Um, so I don't know. It's always kind of, fun and exciting to uh, consider the possibilities as we all move forward into um, a new phase as creators, but also as um, curators and producers for the show. It's tough uh, to respond and you don't want to be flippant and just, uh, you know, just start writing COVID stories. I think it's a nice place to uh, end our conversation, Glenn. Um, and have our audiences uh, take a break um, or revisit the old ones uh, that we've put up. And uh, we look forward to returning in the fall with, uh, with a couple of new tales. That'll be our 10th anniversary. That's right, October, God, is it October something or other? October 10th, I think maybe our 10 year anniversary. Ah, good for us. Yeah. Glenn, we'll yes. Be. Let's make sure we're in the same continent and healthy. Both, both alive would be would be lovely. That I have very low a low bar for success. Uh, have a good bit of time off to the fans, and thank you for listening. All the, I hope we've entertained you. Um, we'll be back in the fall with some new surprises from beyond the pale. <laughs>